Welcome back to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. In this program, we'll continue our exploration of the world of chickens. Our guest is Jesse Huth, owner of Huth Avian, an expert on chickens who began caring for his own flock while still a young child. Since then, his knowledge and expertise on chickens has expanded through personal experience in raising chickens, through his own reading and research, and through formal education. Jesse has a master's degree in poultry science and is a charming conversationalist on the topic of Gallus Gallus domesticus, otherwise known as the chicken. On an average day, what kinds of things would I be doing to take care of the chickens? What are some basic sort of care and maintenance things? Well, it's pretty much the same as any other animal. You go out there, you make sure they have food, uh, especially in the summertime. Make Mm. sure they have water. You're going to want to check the water several times a day in the summertime because it can evaporate so quickly and the chickens will be going through it a lot. Of course, you want them to have water year-round, but the hot Texas summers, water goes away faster than you'd think. Uh, I actually recommend using an automatic watering system. Uh, you can use a pressurized waterer or just a float valve in a bucket that will keep uh, the watering system full at all times because if a chicken runs out of water for even an hour, that will set them back and they'll probably stop laying for a few weeks at a time. Really? So wow. water is crucial for chickens. Uh, give them their food if you're giving them a a food ration, make sure they've got that selection there. Clean up the droppings uh, at least once a week, if not every day, go out there with a shovel and scoop up the droppings. Make sure there's no mold growing or clumps of stuff underneath the Mm. waterers. Uh, If they're dropping water, it can get nasty and you'll want to scoop up that caked up chicken litter. Uh, I actually put a concrete slab underneath my chicken roosts. That's where most of the droppings will collect. The chickens sit on the roosts, do their business, and then you can go in first thing in the morning, scoop that up, makes cleanup really easy. Right. Uh, Once or twice a day, collect your eggs. Uh, If you don't collect them soon enough, sometimes they'll break and you can develop an egg-eating habit in the chickens, which is really, really hard to get rid of. It's a learned behavior. So they'll eat the egg if it breaks. Yeah, it's a learned behavior in chickens. If an egg breaks and they realize there's something tasty in there, then Mm. you'll get a hen that'll start pecking into the eggs and you really can't untrain them and you have to get rid of that hen because they'll teach the others to do it as well. So collect your eggs once or twice a day. And just while you're out there in general, watch all your chickens, make sure they're not rasping, make sure they don't look sick, their droppings when you're scooping it up, make sure they look normal. Uh, I actually have a chart of chicken droppings if anyone's interested in that. I can put it up on my website. Normal <laughs> versus Normal abnormal. versus abnormal droppings because really? there, there's a, a number of different droppings that chickens can make. There's the, the normal green and white stuff that you usually see and mm-hmm. then there's a uh, periodic stuff that comes out of the deeper part of the intestinal tract of the chicken, the cica, and it looks it looks diseased at the first time you see mm-hmm. it. It can look brown or orangey. And That's some, not good. Some shades are fine. That's okay and sometimes, but other, t- other shades are not, and it's kind of a fine line. But if you see blood or worms or uh. something that's bright yellow or bright green, that's a sign that there's probably something wrong and you should take a closer look at what's going on with your chickens. Okay. Um, Oh, and finally, uh, one thing you don't ever want to forget is closing up your chickens at night. Go out before it gets dark, close up the coop, count your chickens, make sure they're all in there, or raccoon might come around. They'll learn when, if 
if you don't close up that mm-hmm. coop soon enough, they'll come around right when it gets dark, and a, a raccoon will wipe out a whole chicken flock in one night if they get the chance. Wow. So close your birds up. I understand that you have done research on the use of light yes. uh, in terms of how it affects egg laying. Uh, lighting and behavior. Okay. I've done It's done a little bit on egg laying. Uh, I've done a lot on hatching and behavior in chickens. Actually, when I did my studies, it was mostly done on meat chickens, broiler chickens. Uh, just because they grow so quickly, I can measure the dis- differences on yeah. them. But what I did my research on was uh, testing stress and fear responses in mm. chickens according to different types of light. I'd test uh, CFLs, LEDs, and incandescent lights. And this was in a completely enclosed environment, not Mm -hmm. accounting for natural daylight at all. So it was just the different light sources. And LEDs are by far the best. They have the most natural spectrum. Uh, They don't have a flicker to them. And they can be programmed to the perfect frequency wavelength for chickens to exist. Chickens have a completely different visual sensitivity than humans. They can see a a wider spectrum. They can see into the ultraviolet range. And while humans, if you look at the curve of light sensitivity, we have a peak in green. We see green light really, really well. And then it's just like a bell-shaped curve. Everything else goes down from there. Hmm. Chickens, they have four different types of receptors in their eyes. So they have a peak in ultraviolet, in blue, in green, and in red. So they have much greater visual sensitivity than than humans do. So they're very, very attuned to their lighting. The the CFLs, they're tuned for human vision. They have little tiny peaks in their wavelength that our human mind puts together as white light. To a chicken, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know that is a striking difference in behavior. I walk in a coop lit with only... Uh, fluorescent compact Mm. fluorescent lights and the chickens are piling in the corner trying to get away from me they're extremely fearful uh, flying around trying to escape then I walk next door to an identical coop but it has LEDs in it and the chickens just kind of looked up at me shuffled a couple feet to the side sat back down on the ground and let me walk right through the middle of the coop without any Mm -hmm. sign of fear or stress in them and the Stress will negatively impact growth of chickens. It'll negatively impact their health and their laying ability. So if a chicken is stressed, it's going to be focusing on what that stress is, not on producing more eggs. So you reduce the stress, you reduce the fear, and you'll have better quality of living for your chickens, and the chickens will produce better as well. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Jesse Huth, and we're talking about chickens. Now, you said earlier that uh, chickens can be a nice pet. Mm-hmm. So do they, you know, like, uh, I mean, would you pet them or stroke them yeah. or talk to them or what kinds of things? Yeah. How do you play with all, your chickens? All of the above. <laughs> uh, one of the favorite things that everyone that has ever been out to my place loves to see it as if you get a big cricket or something and you throw it out to them one will grab it and then play keep away with all the others they'll just run around the yard and you'll have one chicken with a, a 
grasshopper. One time I even saw like a three foot snake hanging out of this chicken's beak <laughs> with all the other chickens hot on her heels trying to take it away from her. So just, just in general, watching their behavior can be fun. But you can actually train chickens. You can give them treats, uh, train them like any other animal to come when they're called. Uh, they can, you can train them to hop up on your hand. I had one trained to jump on the handlebars of my bike when I called her over. And she'd just sit there and I'd ride around the property with chickens really? <laughs> sitting on my, on my bike. Uh, you can train them to stand for, their sh- for showing. If you're going to show mm. your chicken, train them to stand the correct way. I, and I actually had a public relations chicken that I had trained at one point to she'd jump up on my hand, let people pet her, and if she had to use the restroom, she'd give a certain squawk and fluff her feathers up to tell me to set her down and she'd do her business, then walk right back over and let me pick her back up and take her out to show people off. It's great especially if you're going to be holding a chicken all day to train them to do that yeah. because otherwise you're going to be cleaning up after the chicken more often than you'd like. Um, now, you talked about how um, stress mm-hmm. can affect egg production. Yes. Are there other factors that also affect egg production? And Absolutely. What are some of those? Uh, lighting is one of the biggest ones. Okay. Every year, when it gets to be fall and winter, when the days are getting shorter, I get mm-hmm. calls there's something wrong with my chickens, they're not laying anymore. Well, for most birds, chickens are no exception. Uh, When the day length is getting shorter, that's a signal for them that winter is coming. They're not going to be hatching any more eggs, so shut down the reproductive tract and start putting all that energy into storing up fat supplies and Mm -hmm. energy for the wintertime. So if you want your chicken to lay year-round, you need to have artificial lighting put on them. They'll they'll pick back up in the summer naturally, but if you want eggs all throughout the wintertime... You'll get some, depending on the breeds, that'll lay off and on, but it'll definitely slow down over the wintertime if okay. you don't put uh, light on a timer out there in the chicken coop so they have constant day length. About 17 hours is what I recommend. Nutrition is another factor. Mm-hmm. If, you, if they don't have the right ingredients to make the egg, they're not going to be able to make the egg. Most chicken feed will have everything they need in them. If you're free-ranging them, entirely without supplementing anything uh watch the chickens make sure they're still laying eggs otherwise you might need to supplement a few vitamins here and there and especially watch the shell chickens require a whole lot of calcium to put into that shell to make it strong calcium carbonate and so what i usually do is i supplement uh, the feed i just put a little container of crushed oyster shells out there oyster shells mm. are calcium carbonate the chickens will instinctively seek that out and eat it when they need it and it will give them nice strong thick shells you can also rinse out your eggs crush up the eggshells and give those back to the chickens as well just yeah. make sure you rinse it out and crush them up otherwise you might inadvertently trigger a egg eating yeah. behavior okay. But crushed up eggshells, the chickens won't know that's an egg, and they'll still get all that good calcium carbonate back. In the wintertime, it's not as big of a deal, but in the summertime, chickens are breathing hard. They're panting to cool themselves off. And when they lose CO2, there's a whole chemical chain reaction that actually gets rid of calcium carbonate in their system as well. So you'll get thinner eggshells in the summertime because the chickens are panting more. So you have to give them extra Extra. supplements of calcium in the summertime. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, are there any particular uh, diseases that affect 
chickens. There are hundreds and hundreds oh, of diseases no. that affect chickens, <laughs> but thankfully you probably won't see the majority of yeah. those. I highly recommend any flock owner to get uh, the Chicken Health Handbook. It takes most of the common poultry diseases and puts them in layman's terms. You don't have to have a degree to understand what's going on in this book. You can look it up. It has charts that you can go down and look at the symptoms and try and figure out what's going on. It has treatments. It has all sorts of information on a ton of the most common diseases. And that's definitely something you should have in your chicken library just in case you need it. And you can do the best biosecurity out there, but if you're free-ranging your chickens, they're going to be exposed to disease at some point. Usually this will just be a minor respiratory infection. It'll be like a cold for a chicken. Hmm. You'll go out one day, you'll hear coughing and wheezing, and as long as they're still able to eat, able to breathe, moving around, uh, try and isolate them from the other birds so you don't contaminate yes. your whole flock, but give them time and they'll usually get better on their own. Give them electrolytes as needed. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Jesse Huth and we're talking uh, about chickens, uh, but right now it's time for a break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Jesse Huth, who is the owner of Huth Avian, an expert on chickens and all kinds of birds. We've been talking about keeping chickens and all the things you need to do and think about to be a good steward of your flock. But what if I just don't want to do all that work, or I can't keep chickens because my homeowner's association forbids it? Then I could go vegan and not eat eggs, or I could keep buying eggs at the grocery store. But when I go to the store, there are so many different labels on eggs, such as free-range, cage-free, pasture-raised. What should I look for in a grocery store egg? The best egg to buy at the store is the one with the cheapest price on it. Mm. If you want to get really quality eggs raised free range in a pasture, go to a farmer's market. That's the only place you're going to reliably get actual backyard raised free range eggs. Uh, Cage free chickens uh, sounds great in practice, but realize that pretty much all they're doing is taking a house full of cage chickens and taking the cages out. It's still the same amount of room. It's actually more chickens crammed onto the floor space because Mm -hmm the cages used to be stacked and now they still need to be profitable and keep the same amount of chickens. But now instead of being in a easy to clean cage, they're all milling around together on a dirty floor. And it's more expensive because it's just harder to raise the chickens that way. There's actually a bigger chance for disease in the cage free eggs than in the eggs raised in cages. Uh, What you can look for is something called enriched colony cages is what a lot of the industry is moving towards these days. It's still a cage, but instead of a little tiny battery cage with a ton of chickens crammed into it, it's a larger cage. It's 10 feet, 12 feet by Mm. 5 or 6 feet. It's a larger area with a larger amount of chickens in there. They can socialize. They can walk around. They have room to spread their wings out. 
uh, and they have environmental enrichment, meaning they have roosts, they have places to have dust baths sometimes, they'll have scratch pads where they can scratch okay. on the ground. So, so it's a of, more of humane the, of way. Of the two, of... it's a more humane way of doing it. And it's not large enough where the chickens can panic and fly around and hurt themselves, which is another issue you get. People walking through the cage-free houses, the chickens freak out and they start flying into things. And not a pretty sight. And, and all meat chickens are floor-raised. There's no meat chicken raised in a cage. They're, every single one's going to be raised in a mm -hmm. chicken house on the floor. Now, free-range is where it gets kind of a bit more, oh, you think free-range is going to be there all walking around outside. Yeah. But according to the regulations, free-range means the chickens have access to view the sky. So what it usually means is there's a little five-by-five five pen at the end of this chicken house that holds half a million chickens, and that's considered free-range because the chicken could potentially oh. walk to the end of the house, that is so walk wrong. outside, in, wow. and be able to walk in this little tiny pen, and that's what they consider free-range. Now, the more recent term, I guess, is pasture-raised. Yes, Pasture-raised is moving more in the right direction and that's probably going to be the closest you can get to true free-range chickens in a commercial setting they won't be running around in someone's backyard because they still have to raise thousands and thousands of chickens but it's going to be chickens in a smaller house that are allowed to actually go outside into a pasture now there isn't really any oversight on this so it's a relatively new term that people are starting to use. Okay. A lot of the pasture-raised operations are pretty good. They actually are wanting to do the best they can. That's why they're doing it this way. But as it starts to grow, you'll probably see more spring up that are just using the term and putting chickens, cramming as many into an outdoor pen as possible. Right. So that's sort of a case-by-case -case thing. Research each company if you want to get that mm -hmm. in depth. But as far as going to a large chain store, there's no guarantee what any of those eggs are going to be coming out of. So just buy the cheap ones. And actually, a lot of the times, those cheap 90 or 80 cent a dozen eggs are going to be the exact same eggs as some of those 3 to $10 a dozen organic eggs because the companies produce more of these high quality eggs than they can sell so they put them in the cheaper carton huh. and it's repackaged so some, right. a lot of the times you'll get the exact organic eggs in really? your yeah regular egg carton because they had too many eggs at that point so, and so yeah, it can fluctuate what does that even mean the organic uh is that because they're feeding them yeah. organic or, food or organic is a is that very better? yeah mm, there's Again, a lot of different debate that goes back yeah. and forth there. Organic is uh, free of, I don't want to say free of chemicals because everything's chemicals, but it's mm -hmm. free of uh, a whole lot of artificial uh, synthetic stuff. There's no antibiotics in there, in anywhere in the food That's chain good. is the main thing. Right. There's no antibiotics in the food growth there's nothing nothing in the grain that was grown nothing in the feed no antibiotics given to the chickens which again sounds good in practice yeah. uh, or in theory but a hundred percent 
banning of antibiotics can result in sick chickens because you do want to treat your illnesses. But there is a huge problem in the poultry industry these days of antibiotic resistance. You're getting these big companies that just constantly feed antibiotics to try and prevent any kind of disease. And we're actually getting to a point where a lot of these antibiotics aren't working anymore. And there's going to be a big issue in a few years when we're not able to treat the next big outbreak and Mm -hmm. we just have to depopulate massive numbers of chickens like we already do with the larger disease outbreaks so in that way organic is better but a non-organic backyard flock owner is probably going to have higher quality eggs and raise their chickens in a I guess, more caring environment than a large company doing organic just to be able to stick that label on there mm. and mark their eggs up by 500%. But I mean, price. isn't it but better for you when you eat it if it is organic, if it doesn't have the un- antibiotics? Uh, again, that's a lot of debate going back and forth yeah. on the scientists. But yeah, yeah, if you're not getting those antibiotics yeah. in through the eggs themselves, then it yeah. could be... better for you as well but there's a lot of the antibiotics they use aren't really coming through in the eggs either they're in the chickens they're they're in the meat so it's a bit more of a concern for meat birds but Hmm. by the time it gets into the eggs it's usually so dilute that at that point Hmm. it's more comes down to uh, basing it on your principles do you want to support this industry that's overfeeding this antibiotics or do you want to pay more to be able to uh, buy the organic eggs that are raised under these specific criteria. Right. And the reason a lot of the backyard flock owners aren't certified organic is because it takes a lot of money to be certified organic. Yes. You have to go through a whole process. You have to get all this stuff done, which for a small flock owner, they just can't really go through it and be economical to get certified, but they're still raising their chickens to a really high level or a really high standard. So if you want the best eggs and you're willing to pay a premium for it, go support your local flock owners, go out to a farmer's market, give back to the people that are in your neighborhood that will probably be happy to say, come out and look at my chickens. You can play around with them and see exactly where your eggs come from. That's what I'd recommend putting your money into. If you're willing to pay the premium pay to support the people that are local and doing it in a way that gives back to your community as well at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My name is Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Jesse Huth. And we've been talking about keeping backyard chickens, because that's one of your areas of expertise. But you're also an expert on birds. So when you're identifying a bird, what what clues do you use? Is it the shape, the sound? Uh, what, what kinds of things are you listening and looking for? Uh, all of the above. Uh, usually when I'm out walking around, I hear the bird before I see it. Learning the bird calls was one of the best things I did as far as my identification skills because birds are very vocal but a lot of times they're going to be hidden down in a bush so if you can identify oh that is a black cat vireo you can then go seek out that bird or you can say oh that is a house sparrow I've already seen 10,000 of those today I don't need to spend time looking through the bush for that so sound really really helps then after that you class the bird you start Uh, cutting things down into different little categories you think 
all right, I'm in the forest. That automatically eliminates the herons, mm-hmm. the seagulls, uh, a lot of the larger birds that are going to be out on the prairies don't even have to consider those. All right, it's a very small bird. It's hopping around up in the tree. It's probably a passerine, a perching bird. It's got a little fine pointy bill that narrows it down to a warbler or a vireo or a kinglet. Uh, then you just sort of keep narrowing yeah. it down yeah. and you start looking at the shape of the bird, the color patterns, the behavior of the bird, and you can narrow it down to one or two birds and then you look at the little tiny field marks. Some birds are really obvious. Uh, a painted bunting male mm. has a big blue head, it's got red, it's got green, it looks like some sort of tropical bird and it sits on top of a bush and sings in the summertime. You see that, you just it, right. you know it's a painted bunting. But other things like shorebirds, you get a whole bunch of very, very similar birds. And that's when you have to get down and think, all right, this one has a long pointy bill versus a slightly shorter stubbier bill. This one walks a bit differently. This one has a slightly different pattern on the back. And you can start, there's, again, little categories, but some birds just take a little bit more detail to look at up close and figure out all these different little intricacies of the birds and that's part of the fun part of the challenge is being able to narrow down all these birds as well tell us about your website so because Uh, you also do consulting for yeah uh, i do uh companies for for anyone really i do private consulting usually it's for backyard flock owners i'll come out to your chicken coop i'll look at your flock i'll look at your coop i'll answer any questions you have i'll help you predator proof your coop Uh, or if you have no coop at all, I'll help you get everything set up. Anything to do with raising chickens, if you just need to ask questions, I can help you out with that. And I also do guided bird watching trips. So if you want to get out and go birding, and you want someone to give you some pointers and show you what the birds are, or if you have a specific bird you're looking for, I can help you out with that as well. That's all for now. This is Salwa Khan. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Mothering Earth podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or other podcast players. See you next time on Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.